Well, good morning, everyone, and I want to take the opportunity to also wish you a happy new year. Um, it's a real joy to be here with you this morning and also have the opportunity to kick off our new series called Start. Now, today's message, as we begin a new year, is about making life-changing decisions. Now, there was a young man who had always aspired for a career in the creative media industry. But unfortunately, his career didn't get off to quite the great start he intended. And while working for a newspaper, he got fired by the newspaper editor who told him that he lacked imagination and he had no good ideas. So he decided to set off on his own, and he started and created a couple of his own studio companies. Well, one company was so loaded with debt, and he ended up winding himself bankrupt. The other company, he came up with a great idea, but his uh, business partner stole the idea that he had, along with the entire staff. Faced with nothing left to his name, and with people telling him to quit, he decided to pursue his dreams and started to develop working on a new character. When he first tried to sell the idea of this new character he had actually created, he went to a number of producers, and they just told him that the concept of an animal on cinema and TV screens would just not work. Well, that creation was his most successful cartoon character ever. That animal on the screen is what we today know as Mickey Mouse. And that amazing person is the world-famous film producer, Walt Disney. Next, I want to tell you about another remarkable story. In 2011, this athlete had just won two gold medals at the European Championships in Barcelona. But on the world scene, he was relatively unknown. He had failed to qualify for the Beijing Olympics and had achieved sixth and seventh place, respectively, in the last two world championships. He knew he had a lot to do, and he knew that he had to change something. So with just 17 months to go before the London Olympics, he made the decision to break up from his long-term coach, a decision that was a big no-no within the athletics world so close to such a big championship. And he decided to uproot his entire family, move to America, and work with a new coach. People, and he himself, occasionally would question the decision just given the risks involved. But he knew that something had to change. And he kept on telling himself, if I want to be better, things need to change. America is the place I need to be. Well, 17 months later at the London Olympics, Mo Farah won the 5,000 meters and 10,000 meters gold, something he had never, ever achieved on the world stage before and became the seventh man in history to win the long-distance Olympic double. When asked about his success, he attributes it to the one decision he made to move to America 
and to start a relationship with a coach that went on to define the rest of his career. The one thing that the stories of Walt Disney and Mo Farah have in common is that they made a big decision that changed everything for them. At the point of making their decision, there was no guarantee or certainty of success. But they made changes to their lives in light of the decision that they had actually made. They got things in order and put that choice first. As they took daily steps that aligned themselves with the original decision that they had made, they drew themselves closer to realizing that dream. They faced setbacks. They faced struggles. But they stuck by their decision. Eventually, they fulfilled their dreams. But it all started with that one decision. Now, January is often a time when we reflect on the year that has gone by. We set ourselves resolutions and we make goals for ourselves. Around this time, we tend to make those big decisions that end up defining the rest of the year for us. In ourselves, we tell ourselves, we believe that if we can at least start off the year well and set our priorities in order, we can create room for the things that we desire. And similarly, this is how God also works in us. We find that often when God wants to do something new in our lives, he stirs us. He stirs our spirit within us to begin to get things in order and he shows us what comes first. Today, as we look at decisions that make room for God in our lives, my prayer is that God will speak so clearly to us about the things that we need to do in our lives, the things that we need to order in our lives, so that everything that we go on to do this year and beyond flows from the throne room of God and from his presence. If you have your Bibles with with you, please turn with me to Luke chapter 10, from verse 38 to 42. Alternatively, the passage is going to come up behind me. And this is the passage that we are going to use for the message this morning. It says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, You are worried and upset by many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. In the verses before this passage, in the hours and days before Jesus and his disciples arrived at Martha and Mary's house, When you read the Bible and you read this account, Jesus had just been explaining 
to the experts of the law about how it is important to love the Lord God with all your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus then went on to tell the famous parable about the Good Samaritan and about how we should also love our neighbor irrespective of race, gender, background, or condition. So we pick up the story of Mary and Martha against that backdrop of what Jesus had just said. In the context in which this passage occurred, this episode was controversial. Not for Jesus addressing Martha, but for praising Mary. As far as Jesus' own culture was concerned, Martha was actually in the right. She knew how to serve traveling teachers, and she knew how to treat guests with honor. For Mary to be stayed seated at Jesus' feet, just like how any student of a rabbi or a teacher would, was scandalous. Mary was breaking the rules. Now for Jesus to commend Mary on what Mary had just done was counter-control and potentially offensive. So why did Jesus side with Mary and not Martha? After all, Jesus had just been commending this type of hospitality and service in the parable of the Good Samaritan that he had just shared. And you could say that Martha was actually living out the commandment to love your neighbor as yourself. But the problem with what Jesus saw in Martha was not about her desire to serve. Caring and serving others is a good thing. And most of the activities that we all do come from the noblest intentions. We want to provide for our families. We want to give our children every opportunity to enrich their lives. We want to care and look after our neighbors. And above all, we want to serve the Lord Jesus. When we think of King's Church, where would we be without our Marthas? Those are people who weekly and daily perform acts of hospitality and service and kindness that make Downham, League, Hatford, the welcoming, well-functioning church community that it is. We need people who look after the interest of others above themselves. So the problem with Martha was not in her serving, but the fact that she was worried and distracted. The word distracted that is used in the passage means to be pulled in different directions. So the point that Jesus makes is that we need to be aware of the things that pull us away and subtly draw us away from him. Martha had missed out on the one thing needed for true hospitality. Undivided attention to your guest. If all our daily activities draw us away from spending time alone with God, then we have not chosen wisely and have not ordered our lives correctly. 
very soon we all end up like Martha, anxious, troubled, and potentially resenting others for not equally pulling their weight. The life that we live is all about making decisions. And each uh, decision that we make determines our next step and ultimately our future. Most of the time, the decisions that we make are small and regular. Occasionally, they are big and life-changing. But as we begin 2016, I believe God wants us to choose what is better. Like Martha, we might feel that we are making good decisions with the right intentions. But sometimes the good can be the barrier of the better. We may have settled for believing that this is all that God wants for us. But I believe that God is saying to us this morning, don't settle and camp where you are. This isn't everything. I have more. I have better. I want to draw you deeper and closer into a relationship with me. And it all starts by making sure that we have ordered our lives around him and he is first in everything that we do. We only need one thing in our lives. Attention to our guest. And as it actually turns out, our guest Jesus is also our host who has abundant gifts to give us waters of the Holy Spirit to refresh us, and words of wisdom to give us direction. When we are plugged into Jesus and we make him our number one priority, we plug ourselves into an endless flow of heaven's resources that enables us to do the things that we could not normally do and that sustain us when our grace and our natural abilities reach an end. See, this is the profound message that in the book of Corinthians, chapter 8, Paul talks about the Macedonian church. He says, and the passage will come up behind me, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. The last sentence of this passage, I believe, holds the key to what we can accomplish in 2016. God, through his spirit in us and by using us, is able to do exceedingly more than we can think We can dream, we can hope, we can ask. But we need to first 
give ourselves to him. We cannot prioritize pursuing the miracle that we so desire above pursuing a deep and intimate relationship with the one who holds the key to it. And Jesus puts it, the same message in a slightly different way. He says, seek first my kingdom and all righteousness and all these things, all the good things that we desire that he knows that we need, they will all be given to us. So how do we practically live a life that puts God first? The first point is this. Fill each day with a rock. I have a friend who many years ago used to work for the directory services company called Yale. And this is what Yale would say to all their sales staff. They would say, look, we don't mind how you spend your day. We don't mind what you put in your diary. All we expect from you is that at the end of every week or every month, you would meet your sales targets. In fact, we encourage you to put any non-work-related interests in your diary because we believe that they are important to you. Call these appointments that are in your diaries your rocks. We give you freedom to decline any appointment that clashes with these rocks. No one in the company has the authority to ask you to move your rock for something else because we believe that it is important to make time and room for the important things in your life. I love that philosophy. Each of us should have times in our lives and each day when we spend with God. These times should be our rocks and we should protect them at all costs. Even if other things that seem more pressing demand our uh, attention. When we uh, read the New Testament, we see that Jesus would regularly wake up in the morning, withdraw, go to the mountains, pray, and spend time with God. Or whilst in the middle of the day and the crowds around, he would just withdraw to himself and spend time praying and talking to God. I believe that those moments were also his rocks. Now, these rocks in, in our lives can be in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, depending on our life pattern. But if, but if we have the choice, I believe that it is good practice to schedule time with God before our day begins. The Bible talks a lot about meditating on the Lord day and night. And whilst it is not prescribing a rule, I believe that starting off our day in the morning by spending time with God and hearing from him equips us with all that we need to get through the day. So create rocks in your diaries and protect those times so that nothing can displace it. Secondly, take daily and small steps. Now, in 2013, a football club known as Arsenal signed a player by the name of Mesut Ozil 
for a club record of £42 million. Now, this player had just joined from Real Madrid, arguably one of the world's greatest teams. And this uh, player was seen as the player who was finally going to usher and usher in an era of titles and trophies to the Arsenal Football Club. But for two seasons, he failed to live up to his price tag and to his reputation. That is, until this season. This season, he is a completely different player. And pundits argue and say that he is the reason why Arsenal are now sitting on top of the Premier League. His manager describes him as the complete player. And he's on course to break the record for the most individual assists in one entire season. And the season is only halfway through. So in a recent interview in the Guardian newspaper, naturally, the person interviewing him asked him the question and the secret to this sudden transformation. And this is what he said. The biggest change started when I was injured last year and I changed my diet and started to look at the small details in my life. I paid more attention to my sleep and began having physiotherapy on my, on my days off. I changed the small things, he said. Small changes can lead us to accomplish great things in life. Breaking things down into daily, regular, and consistent chunks help us to form habits. It has to be deliberate. It has to be disciplined. And we need to do it over and over and over again. Studies shows that it takes at least 21 days and up to 66 days to form a habit. The point is this, habits are not formed overnight. They need to be regular and in manageable doses to stick. Some of us may be here this morning and our goal this year is to either start spending time with God on a daily basis or continue to do so in a deeper manner. Starting with this moment, Decide to fill each day with a rock. Start off with a realistic time amount and build it up over time. Even 15 minutes a day will make a difference to our lives. But if you do happen to miss one of your rocks, don't be harsh on yourself. God isn't. He is more interested in our desire and in our heart. And the great thing about being a Christian is that we don't need to do this on our own. We have the Holy Spirit who is here to help us and encourage us along. We can draw on him each day and he will give us the strength and the motivation and the desire to carry on. Finally, my third point. Surround yourself with positive influences. At the end of the interview with the footballer that I described earlier, he finishes off by saying, the team is more mature and consistent this season, and I get a lot of help on the pitch. It is only because of their help that I can do my best. 
we can only go so far in life on our own. God has made us to be dependent beings. Firstly, dependent on him and dependent on others. We can only fulfill all that God has laid out for us with the influence and with the help of others. Who we keep company with can either draw us closer to God or can draw us further away from pursuing and developing a godly lifestyle. This is why the Bible has a lot to say about the people and who we spend time with. In the passage of Psalm 1, the psalmist writes, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. When the psalmist talks about walking in step with the wicked or not standing in the way that sinners take or sitting in the company of mockers, whilst he's also poetically writing, he's also speaking metaphorically. He is referring to our life pattern and encouraging us not to listen, not to do, and not to think as the world does. In other words, we should be careful who we hang out with. We should avoid places that get us into trouble or cause us to stumble. And we should watch the, com- the, the, the conversations that we engage with. If we want 2016 to be the most fruitful year yet, we need to determine who we're going to let influence us. If we want to stick to our 2016 decisions and aspirations, we need to determine who is going to keep us on track. For so many times, we find ourselves at, our, at a, you know, a point far from where we planned, and we ask ourselves, how did this happen? The answer is that we probably didn't manage those who influenced us. But the solution is equally not to isolate ourselves from people, because as Christians... We have been called to be in the world, but not of the world. We all need people in our lives who we can be open and accountable to. And if you don't have someone, I'd encourage you to put that on your list for this year. Also, make a decision to join a small group this year, or at least this term. At the end of January, we'll be starting a new series called Transform, which Nigel referred to earlier. And that will last seven days and will be discussed in small groups during the week. If we want to see our lives transformed and regularly surround ourselves with people who have a positive influence on us and who will draw us closer to God, put these events as rocks in your diary and make a commitment to attend all of them. Today, is about making that important decision that orders our steps and changes everything for the better. A lot of what I've shared this morning 
has been about changes and decisions as Christians. But you might be here today and you've never made that all-important decision to give your life to Jesus. You might feel that something is missing or there is more to life. Each year, you begin with every good intention, but you just cannot seem to change yourself. There is an invitation here this morning for you to give your life to Jesus and let him help you. You may have lots of questions, and that's fine. But today is about making that initial decision and then taking daily steps to work it through. If that's you, there'll be an opportunity towards the end of the meeting or even after the meeting to respond. But please don't leave here the same way that you came in. So, Father, we want to thank you that you love us. Thank you that your love for us is immeasurable and never, ever runs out. Thank you that even before you created us in the womb, Father, you had already planned for us to do great things for your kingdom. Father, our commitment to you this year is that we will do all that we can with the help of your Holy Spirit to make that happen. Father, in the past, the things that may have held us back and, Lord, that may have tied us down, thank you that you came to bring release to the oppressed. Thank you that you came to free the captives. Thank you that you came to give recovery of sight to the blind. And you came to declare that this is the year of the Lord's favor. Father, we declare that this year is the year of the Lord's favor. Father, Lord, where we have struggled with ill health, Lord Jesus, pain, infirmities, we declare that this year is the year of healing. Father, where we may have known lack, Lord Jesus, need, Father, we declare that this year is a year where you open the storehouse of heaven, Lord, and pour out your resources. Lord, where in the past we may have sown seed and watered them, Lord, your good news, the gospel. Lord, we declare that this year will be the year where we see a harvest. Lord, we thank you that you have called us to be part of you. We commit ourselves this year, Lord, to put you first in everything to make room for you in our lives and to partner with you in making Jesus famous. And together we say, Amen. So I want to wish you a Happy New Year again and let us commit to making this a year where we make those small changes but accomplish great things for God. Amen.